God desires a relationship with us and he desires our worship. But what exactly does that mean? How can we truly worship God? And what does that look like in our everyday lives? Find out from author and speaker, Jacqueline Palmer. Here's Jacqueline. Welcome to Women Inseparable. We are getting ready to do practice part two. Practice part two. I would love to sit with each of our girls in this study, whether in this room or abroad, and ask them how their week went of practicing. Did you practice? Did you practice what you know? Did you practice falling in love? Did you practice receiving his love? Was there a sentence in scripture that overwhelmed you that you practiced worshiping God? I would love, I would love to know each and every experience. We are going to continue in practice part two today, and we're going to do so by reading Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32 is where we're going to start, and we're going to close with the verse John 15, 7. John 15, 7. If I can give, as we get our Bibles open to Psalm 32, if I can give two specific personal challenges that we're going to focus on today, and give them up front, two personal, very specific personal challenges. One, read John 15, 7. 15, 7. Read, read that verse. Two, as much as your body allows you to do, get on your knees, get on your face with a heart of worship. Those are my two specific requests for our practice this week. With Psalm 32 open before the throne, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, you've given us so much in your word that we know. We thank you so much for reminding us Thank you for reminding us of what we know and helping us remember to dwell upon it, to meditate on it, to ponder, to ponder all that you've taught us. We thank you for your love. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for demonstrating the love of God on the cross. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for rising again and for calling us alive with you. Thank you for covering us in your righteousness, for calling us clean, for calling us pure. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you so sweetly. I pray that you'll help us to continue, continue practicing this heart of worship. There is such a different, different way of living our life, living our days, living in our relationships with others. When we practice the heart of worship right now and always, I pray that you'll help us, help us to constantly practice throughout this upcoming week. I pray that you'll be with your words to our souls in John 15, 7. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will speak truth over our hearts. Help us to understand this verse. Help us to understand it brand new. This is my prayer. I pray that you'll be with our words. Be with, be with this study. Be with your, your word. Make it real. Make it true. Help it to be the very foundation on which we stand. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We've been talking about practice. We've been talking about love. We've been talking about no when it comes to the heart of worship. The best way to practice the heart of worship is with this book. No matter where you are this week in the word of God, practice your heart of worship in this. And this is the easiest way to practice. How do I know what my heart of worship feels like? Read the word of God. 
Start with the word of God where you are. You're like, I'm in Leviticus. Can I tell you it's very possible to feel your heart of worship even in Leviticus if you are in Leviticus when the Holy Spirit wants you in Leviticus. That makes sense? So you read what the, what the Holy Spirit draws you to read this week, wherever that is, and practice your heart of worship. As you open up this book with your Lord, where the Spirit has you to read, then read it. Just read the Word of God. And as you read through the Word of God, and a sentence stops you in your tracks. And a word makes your heart pause a minute. And you say, wait, what, what, I want to read that again. And you read that again, you read that again, and you walk away, you put your Bible down to go get, you know, your third cup of coffee for the day, and you fill it up, and you can't stop thinking about that word, and you can't stop thinking about that sentence, you can't stop thinking about that, that parable or that illustration or that story. That is where your heart of worship is. That's where the Holy Spirit is in you saying to you, honey, fall in love with Jesus. There are so many of us that say, I wish I knew what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. Ever said that? I want to know how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Will you connect your heart of worship to listening to the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit's job in you is to bring you to the cross of Jesus Christ. He did that when you were unsaved. He brought you to the cross. It was the Holy Spirit that brought you to the cross, not your flesh. There's not one flesh that was like, here I am. I don't know why I'm here. It's the Holy Spirit that says, I am convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. And I need to take you to the cross so you can see God's love so that you can put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. The one who died was buried and rose again. And in your faith in Jesus Christ, you now have a relationship with my God, my father, and you have the right to call him your God, your father. And at the moment that you receive God as your father, he gives you his spirit in you. So no longer is the Holy Spirit around you as one that is in the world to take you to the cross. You now have the very spirit of God in you to keep your eyes on the cross. Does that make sense? Do you see that most beautiful circle? That, my sweet friend, is the word abide. That's abide. I have heard preaching on the word abide always. And I, I, I feel like there's something like, how, how can I abide? I'm trying to abide. I want to abide. How do you abide? Oh, you just abide. Okay. How? Just, just abide. Okay. How? Can I tell you, sweet friend, that is listening to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading you to stay in love with the vine. And you can only stay in love with that vine if you listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So you say, so when I'm in love with Jesus, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit? Yep. So I know how to listen to the Holy Spirit? Yep. Have you ever received Christ Jesus as your Lord? You followed the Spirit. You can proudly stand and say, I followed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led me. I heard. I obeyed. I I know how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. Every single time your heart says, I love my Jesus. Do you know what you just did? You were just led by the Holy Spirit. You just heard the very Spirit. You just obeyed the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. You know how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Is that powerful and freeing? We want so much of the Holy Spirit. We want so much to be told what to do and how to do. And really we don't because we're stubborn. 
But the Holy Spirit's job is to keep your eyes on the cross so that when we look at the cross, we feel the love of God so that the love of God can say, hey, do you remember what I've given to you? I've given you the spirit of God. And you go, oh, I have the spirit of God. Oh, I'm so in love with Jesus. And the spirit says, good job. Good job hearing me. And there you are. Abide. You say, how do I get to that? Always you practice. You practice listening to the Holy Spirit. And every time the Holy Spirit says, love, 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 you say it. Amen. Amen. I love. And you practice that all day. Does that make sense? A little simple? How simple does God make his love? Almost simple enough for a little child. How sweet is that? My prayer is that as we read Psalm 32 today, together, that you will remember what you know. 32.1, I pray that you'll wrap that up in the sentence that you know. I pray that you will remember who you love and who loves you. And I pray that Psalm 32.2 will wrap that love up for you. And I pray that you will practice the heart of worship, even together while we do this study right now, practice that heart of worship. Then as at that moment that you feel your heart just so overwhelmed by the word of God, overwhelmed by the love of your savior, Jesus Christ, you embrace that heart of worship and desire that and practice that throughout the week. Here's what scripture says. Psalm 32, one, blessed, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. What do you know? Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. What do you know? For some of us who are Bible students, we read scripture and other scripture comes to mind. If that is not you, don't think twice about it. If it is you, will you jot down scripture that the spirit brings to mind? Perhaps you did a study in first John during our no passage or no days, week one and week two of this study, perhaps something from first John just triggered in your head, write that passage or that statement from first John next to this, compare scripture with scripture, keep scripture to scripture. And that's how you grow in your knowledge of the word of God. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. Blessed says verse two, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts. No iniquity. Did you hear those words? Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts. No iniquity. The one in whose spirit there is no deceit. If you, my sweet friend, are the one that identifies as the one whom Jesus loves because you identify as the one who has placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you could put this sentence as a personal sentence and say, blessed am I for my sin is forgiven. Oh, did anybody else feel their heart literally respond to that? That's your heart of worship. Blessed am I for my sin is covered. Is that overwhelming? It's an overwhelming truth. I am a blessed person because the Lord counts no iniquity in me. I'm blessed because in my spirit, there's no deceit. Oh, that we practice the heart of worship. I dare say there is not one child of God that reads this and stands like Superman position as you read these two words saying, I have my sins forgiven. I am counted without iniquity. 
I dare say that there is any one of us that know who Jesus Christ is as their Lord and Savior and is so overwhelmed by his love for us and our love for him. We read these words and our heart of worship just wants to fall. You just want to fall. Oh, the humility and the awe that overwhelm us when we think about how God sees us. There are no words. Listen to the words of Psalm 32. He says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away the absence of worship. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Can you feel that turmoil inside the soul of loving Jesus and not abiding in him? It causes a war within our soul. My question is, why are we fighting that war? If you're fighting that war, go back to that circle that we drew last week in practice number one and go back to that circle and see where you're facing. If you're facing that circle that's facing darkness, you're going to be battling this war. You're going to be staying silent. Your bones are going to be wasting away. You're going to be groaning all day long and you're going to wonder why. Why is this happening? Why am I so heavy with the hand of God? Why do I feel? Well, what are you looking at? Stop looking at the darkness. Stop putting yourself in this war zone. Turn around. Turn around. Set your eyes. Look at what scripture says. Look at what happens in the heart of this, the, the psalmist. David cries out, I acknowledged my sin to you. He turned around. He made a choice. He said, I want to look at this darkness, but I'm looking at this darkness and there's a war inside of my soul. I'm literally battling heart, mind, and soul, and I'm tired of it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ignore looking at this darkness. I'm going to turn around and behold the very throne of my God. And as I saw the purity of my God, I couldn't help but say, God, I've sinned against you. And I acknowledge my sin. What a powerful decision to make. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not, I did not cover my iniquity. I said, and he literally said this, and I, I proclaim that we ought to follow David's example and verbally say these words to our God and say, I will confess my transgressions to my Lord. And then he proclaims the same truth that is cast over every single one of us. And it says, and you, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. To look at that edge of that, that circle, to look at the edge where the darkness is on the outside brings nothing but war, nothing but turmoil within our soul. It brings nothing but the weight of the hand of God over us saying, will you please, will you please just do what I need you to do? I just need you to love me and remember what you know. And you say, but that darkness, that darkness, and God's like, I'm right here. I'm right here. And you're looking at the darkness and saying, I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how. And he goes, I'm just, I'm right here. I'm right here. Turn around. Just turn around. And you go, oh. And just literally just like that, the darkness is behind you. You can't see it because as much as we want to say our moms have eyes on the back of their heads, you don't. Praise God. <laughs> The darkness is behind you. You look at that throne and I guarantee every single time a child of God beholds their God, their father, 
if there is iniquity in us that is keeping us facing that darkness, it just pours out before him. How, how do you look at your God on his throne and say, oh, well, all is good. Be real. Be real with yourself. Be real with your God. He knows. He knows. And sweet friend, if you have iniquity that is sitting inside of you, that's keeping you drawn to that darkness, he knows. And you know, be real. Turn to God and say, I confess my iniquity to you, my Lord. There. Scripture says, therefore, therefore, let everyone, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. I've been reading this a lot the last two weeks, this one particular chapter. And my question is, when, when is that time? David says, therefore, let everyone, let me who is godly, and I count myself godly because my sins have been forgiven and God counts me as godly. So let me, who is godly, offer prayer to you, my God, at a time when you may, may be found. My question was, when is that time? What's the answer? Right now. Right now, always. Do it now. Surely in the rush of great waters, they, they shall not reach him. What a heartbreaking sentence, sweet friend. That's not your sentence. Verse seven says, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And I can't shake that sentence. You want to know where my heart of worship falls every time I read this chapter? It's that. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I, I like thinking about sentences. I like visualizing what that looks like. And here I'm sitting in my circle with the darkness all around me completely removed from me. The circle is shielding me, covering me, hiding me in the very shelter of my God's love. I'm beholding in the center of my circle, the throne of my God. And scripture says, David declares, you surround me with shouts of deliverance. And I can't help but picture myself sitting there in awe before my God and hearing his shouts of deliverance, keeping that darkness away. I got to share a touch of my battle with darkness a couple of weeks ago. Then afterward, I thought, okay, here it comes. I'm going to be battling darkness this week because I shared, shared one of my ugly scars. I'm going to be battling darkness this week. And after I shared that story, this is when God gave me Psalm 32. And I started reading Psalm 32 and that, that sentence, I surround you with shouts of deliverance. I never once faced a battle after sharing a battle story. A couple weeks ago, there was no weight of darkness. There was no presence of darkness. There was no thought. There was no heart. There was no tear. There was no, there was nothing. Do you know what happened? I was surrounded by shouts of deliverance. God was just saying, stay away. Stay away. Victory. There's victory. And some of us are singing victory in Jesus as we hear this. Oh, that are shouts of deliverance. What sentence overwhelms your soul, overwhelms your heart, makes your body want to lift hands and worship, fall on knees and worship? What does your body want to do to say, God, thank you. Thank you for surrounding me with shouts of deliverance. I laid there one night after, after a couple weeks ago, after talking, and I just laid in my bed with my Bible closed and just laid it over my chest and fell asleep, slept for hours in that position. 
oh, the shouts of deliverance that circle us so that we don't have to battle any longer. I stay on that throne and he does all the work. Oh, oh, I testify its peace and its beauty. Scripture says in this passage, it says the very words of God. I know that's an obvious statement because the Bible is the word of God, but God is literally talking in this passage. We're hearing what God says. So David's having a conversation with God and it's interesting. We hear the word pray, 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 pray. And we have the conversation as if it's a one-sided dialogue. Interesting how David shows us in this word that it's a two-sided conversation. How cool is that? David is talking to his God and his God is talking to him. And this is what his God says to David in verse number eight. And I pray we take this to heart as well. He says, I will, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. How personal, how intimate is that verse? Oh, I pray that some of us write that sentence down wherever we see it all day. And remember that, that your God will instruct you. Your God will teach you. Your God will show you your way that you should go. What's happening with other people? What is that to you? You, you follow me. How? I will instruct you. Okay. How? I'll teach you. Okay. How? Oh, abide, abide in me. He says, I will counsel you. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Is that overwhelming? Is that not the sweetest, sweetest? I love the smiles in this room. We can't get over the concept that God's eye is on us. Always, always. And all we have to do is just reset our eyes. Just look at him. Just look at him. You need instruction? Look at him. You need teaching? Look at him. You need counsel. Who does not need counsel? Oh, oh, to have counsel sitting before you always. Right now you have access to the very counsel of God. Why? Because he says, I'm going to counsel you. And if God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He says, I'm going to send my son. And what did he do? He sent his son. He says, I'm going to send my son again. What is he going to do? He's going to send his son again. And we all cry, hallelujah. And until that day comes, we keep our eye on the very eye that is upon us. And we, we cling to his instruction. We cling to his teaching. We cling to his path. And we cling to his counsel with our eyes on him. Scripture says, God says, do not be a horse. Huh? <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit take that where that needs to go. Do not be a mule. Do not be without understanding. It says these need to be curbed with bit and with bridle. Don't do that. God says, don't be that. Be teachable. Be moldable. Be counselable. Keep your eye on me. David continues and says, many are the sorrows of the wicked. It's not your sentence. But steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Oh, be glad in the Lord. And rejoice, oh, righteous. That's your identity. And shout for joy. We get to shout with the shouts of deliverance. 
all you who are upright in heart. Based on this passage right here, sweet friend, what do you know? Who do you love? Who loves you? And how can you practice your heart of worship this week? John 15, 7. I want to read this one verse, and I pray the Holy Spirit will show us this verse with such a new, new grasp on what Jesus is saying to you and I. We get so caught up in this verse sometimes, and sometimes we've tried this verse, and this verse has failed. Huh? Can I just correct? The verses never fail. It's the process that's wrong. These are Jesus's words. These are Jesus's words to you with the concept of abide, knowing that abiding is listening to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit lead us to the vine. Here's what Jesus is saying to you. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Sweet friend, there are times in our lives that we've read this verse and we've looked at the earth and we've said, God, this is what I need. And we didn't get it. And we're like, well, what does this mean? Jesus says, I can ask anything. And I asked anything. And I, I needed that. I needed that. God, I needed that. And you said, no. But you said you'd give it to me. If you started John 15, 1, and you read all the way down, if you read anything in scripture, you're going to see it's all about this. You and God, you and God, you and God, you and God. So if at the moment Jesus is saying, you're abiding in me, your eyes are so focused on the throne. And I ask you, do you love me? Say, I love you. And I ask you, do you love me? And you say, I love you. And I ask you, do you love me? And you say, Lord, you know I love you. He says, what do you want? That's what you ask the Lord. I have a feeling when you're having that conversation with your God, the last thing you're thinking about is anything on earth. At that moment, you're not thinking about any of these trials, any of these battles, any of this war, any of this earth, any, any of this dust. You're not thinking about any of that. You're thinking, your eye is on me. Lord, I want your eye on me even more. Lord, I love you. I want to love you more. He says, ask Ask whatever you want in that moment when it's me and you, it's me and you, it's me and you. Ask and it'll be given to you. What are you asking? Practice that this week. Father God, we lift up our heart of worship before you. I pray that you'll help us. Help us to ask according to your will and your will is always eternal. Your will is always eternal. It's always about my eternity and it's about the eternity of those that are around me. Father God, your plan, your plan never comes to an end. I pray that you'll help us not to cast your words upon earthly matters, but that we'll cast our heart upon the very throne of God in awe and in worship. Father God, I pray that you'll be with our bodies. I pray right now physically that you'll be with our bodies. I pray that you'll help us to the best of our physical body will allow us to. Help us to get on our knees. Help us to get on our face. I pray that we'll be willing to practice the very form of physical worship before you. Father God, there's something there that can't be expressed in words. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will teach each and every one of us what that is that you want to show us as we simply humble ourselves and bow down in, in pure adoration. Oh, we're so in awe. 
We're just so in awe. Father God, we love you. We thank you for being our Father. We thank you for being our God. Jesus Christ, thank you for being our Lord. And it's before you we bow and we proclaim the name Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Help us to spread the love of Jesus by subscribing, giving us a thumbs up, and writing a comment. For more Women Inseparable studies, check out our website at womeninseparable.com. Send your questions and prayer requests to womeninseparable at gmail.com.